Growing a business brings pressure. It's not easy to maintain momentum and still keep employees engaged. Fortunately, there's Insperity. Their scalable HR solutions help me with hiring, training, HR administration, and compliance while giving my employees competitive benefit options. When my people are able to thrive, my business can adapt and prosper. With Insperity, nothing seems impossible. Insperity, HR that makes a difference. Welcome back to the Great Unsolved Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis, and this week we are looking at the puzzling case of 50-year-old Susan Ledyard. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter at Great Unsolved, on Instagram at Great Unsolved Pod. You can search Great Unsolved on Facebook. You'll find a group and a page. If you would rather watch videos than listen to podcasts, you can look up at Alexis True Crime on YouTube or just Alexis Ruberg. You can also look that up on TikTok for many different shorts of cases. Let's get into the case of Susan Ledyard. Today we are going to talk about the death and perceived murder of Susan Ledyard. Susan was found deceased in the Brandywine River near Willington, Delaware, on July 23rd of 2019. If you have any information in this case, call the homicide unit at 302-365-8441. There is a $50,000 reward in this case, and it's not that old, so it has a better chance of being solved. Susan was only 50 years old when she died, and she was married to Ben Ledyard. They had actually just gotten married three years prior to Susan's death. Susan was a well-loved English teacher at a high school or a private academy, I believe, in Pennsylvania. On July 22nd of 2019, Ben had supposedly gone to a movie with a friend, and he returned home probably around 10 p.m. It said he went to the movie at 8 p.m., so that kind of lines up. He states when he got home, Susan was sitting on their back porch, texting friends and drinking some wine. I guess Ben went and sat with her for a while as well before he said he was going to bed at around 11 p.m. The next day, they had tickets to go see the Rolling Stones, so he knew it was going to be a late night. He went to bed and he told Susan she should get to bed soon too, since tomorrow was going to be a late night. And supposedly Susan said she wouldn't be long, she would come to bed soon as well. Then we move into July 23rd of 2019. At 2.45, or until 2.45, Susan is active on her phone. She was texting and calling friends for this entire night until 2.45 a.m., and all her friends say these conversations were normal, not concerning, nothing that made them think Susan was in danger or was thinking about leaving. At 3.02 a.m., Susan's car pulls out of her and Ben's home's driveway. We know Susan was in the car, but we don't have confirmation that she was the one driving. At 3.04 a.m., her car is parked about a mile away 
on Walker's Mill Road. Later, we would find out her car was parked kind of haphazardly in front of a gate to an office building. It wasn't somewhere where you would normally park, and it kind of didn't seem like Susan. When she parked here, or when her car parked here, the headlights went off, and unfortunately, you couldn't see anything else because it was so dark. So law enforcement doesn't know who got out, if anybody got in, what happened after those headlights went out. Later, police state they believe Susan was alive until 7 a.m., or at least her body was moving until 7 a.m. She was wearing a Fitbit, and the Fitbit tracks data, can send it back to a phone. There's a record of it. And it was tracking her until 7 a.m., when it stopped. There was about one mile worth of steps from 3.04 a.m. until 7 a.m. when it stopped tracking. At 7.39 a.m., a construction worker stumbles upon Susan's body. However, it is not identified at this time. At this time, it is just a woman's body in the Brandywine River, and she has injuries to her face and body. We later find out the cause of death was blunt force trauma, and drowning, but the toxicology and the autopsy are not public information at this time. At 8.45 a.m., Susan's car is found on Walker's Mill Road, parked haphazardly as it had been at 3.04 a.m. It was parked near Rising Sun Lane Bridge, I believe right adjacent to it, which was a bridge that went over the Brandywine River, the river where Susan's body was later found. And her car was about three miles upriver from where her body was found earlier that morning. At 9 a.m., Ben woke up to police at his door. He says he had no idea Susan was missing. He was asleep, supposedly, so he wouldn't have any idea. He would just be asleep. And when he woke up, maybe he assumed she was outside or she ran to the store until police told him they had found her car. At this time... Her body was still not identified, so they just had the car. The police department says they never believed this was an accidental death. The family originally believed this was a terrible, tragic accident when Susan's body was found, but the police were pretty against that theory. However, it was not classified as a homicide until about four months after her body was found. It was classified that in November of 2019. The police department also believes that Susan's body was not put into the river. She did not get into the river where her car was found. If she was alive till 7 a.m. and her body was found at about 7.40 a.m., that's not a lot of time to move three miles down a river. Possible, but that's probably where they're going off of. They don't think her body entered the water where her car was found. Ben did tell police he had no idea why Susan left the home that night and had no idea and maintains he had no idea she was missing until police showed up at 9 a.m. that morning. Originally, he said maybe she took Ambien. I believe she was prescribed it and was sleepwalking, and that is why she left. However, some sources, although the toxicology report is not public, say that there was no Ambien in her system. And then he said maybe she left to get cigarettes. And then he said, quote, Then I was afraid she was going to meet someone, and that breaks my heart, end quote. Ben also got married, remarried, six months after Susan's death. And 
something I am not 100% sure if it is a fact, but it was written in multiple places online, is that Susan's body was found pretty close to the new wife's house. Now we gotta skip to January 1st of this year, 2023. Ben was arrested and charged with assault, terroristic threatening, and menacing. Police were called to him and his wife's home on January 1st at around 1.50 p.m. to meet his wife. She stated her and Ben had had an argument about loud music, to which he chased her around the house with a pool stick and then hit her over the head with a large marble item. And this is said to have left a pretty big cut on the woman's head. We also found out Ben had been charged with assault just last summer, summer of 2022, after another argument with his wife where he bit off her fingertip, which is very odd and very concerning. So like I said, the police believe this was foul play or homicide, but let's go over some theories. Husband killed her. Theory number one, this is all alleged. There's not concrete evidence, at least out to the public, that states he had anything to do with her disappearance or death. However, some people think Ben, who we obviously know can be violent towards women, violent towards his partners, got mad at Susan that night, killed her, and put her body in the river to cover it up and kind of staged where her car was parked. And then came up with the Ambien cigarette affair theory to kind of throw people off. Some other people believe maybe he just wanted out of the marriage. He remarried six months later, so maybe he wanted out of the marriage and he thought the best way to do that was to just get rid of Susan. Ben's arrest charges from just this month actually say that he hit his current wife over the head with a hard item. Susan's cause of death was blunt force trauma. And Susan had visible injuries to her face and body when found, although since we don't have the autopsy report, we don't know exactly what those injuries were, but it kind of lines up with him being aggressive. Once again, this is all alleged. None of it is factual-based except for the fact that he got arrested for this stuff and charged with it, for the stuff with his current wife. Another theory is that it was an unknown killer. Susan could have left the house to meet someone that night, like Ben theorized. Could have been an affair or a new friend, and things could have turned bad. She could have walked around with someone or sat in the car with someone. They could have gotten into an argument, and this unknown person could have killed and disposed of Susan. However, there's really no evidence of this at all. We do know that once the headlights went out on the surveillance video after Susan's car was parked, we can't see anything. So we don't know if somebody got in the car when they got out. We don't know what happened. The last theory is that this was actually a terrible accident. Maybe she did take Ambien, like Ben theorized, and by the time the toxicology happened, it had gotten out of her system. However, this theory could work even if she didn't take Ambien that night. She was known to have been drinking wine. It's not said that she was drunk, but maybe she was a little bit tipsy and it kind of messed up her decisions and her clear thinking. But she could have been completely sober in her right mind, and this still could have happened. She could have driven down to the river, wanted to go to a, on a walk, or just wanted to go sit in silence for a while. If she got out of her car, she could have slipped, hit her head, fell unconscious, and fell into the river. If she fell, that could explain some of the facial and body injuries and could explain the blunt force trauma, and if she was unconscious, 
She obviously could have drowned in the river. However, police strongly believe that this is not the case. They believe it was foul play or homicide. And hopefully, if this is the case, Susan's killer will be brought to justice soon. Once again, there is a $50,000 reward in the case. And if you have any information, please contact the Homicide Division at 302-365-8441. So that was a little bit of a shorter case because a lot of the information is not public, but it is a good one to go over because it is so recent, it has a much higher chance of being solved. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter at Great Unsolved, on Instagram at Great Unsolved Pod. You can search Great Unsolved on Facebook and find our Facebook group and Facebook page. You can search at Alexis True Crime on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram and you will find many other short videos as well as all of these podcasts since the beginning of February. Welcome to BreezeLine, where you'll say, ta-ta, T-Mobile, because we have 99.9% network reliability, and they don't. That's right. Time, weather, or even streaming in a basement won't affect our superior service. That's because we have real internet, backed by our fiber-powered network. And T-Mobile? Well, they just have a 5G cellular network. So for a limited time, find your perfect speed with prices starting at $19.99 a month for 24 months. Terms and conditions apply. Go to BreezeLine.com to learn more.